This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you for joining us live. Those who are watching online, be sure to click share so we can get the message out to as many as we possibly can. For the third time in the history of the church, we're walking through 1 John. We'll probably wrap this up next Sunday. And the reason is because these modern apostates and heretics hate 1 John. And you know, whatever the devil, devil's crowd hates, we ought to study. Amen. These modern apostates, these heretics say it doesn't matter what we do. But the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, 3 to 5, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his words, God's love is truly made complete in him. Now, I get it, I do, because... To a lot of people, the word love is so twisted. You know, one of these Hollywood actresses, I won't mention her name, but Anne Hathaway said <laughs> that uh, abortion is mercy. Creflo Dollar endorsed Stacey Abrams for governor of Georgia and the week before she was in his pulpit she said that the way to solve inflation was aborting your babies. I never thought I'd see that in a word of form or word of faith pulpit. So love is a word that has been twisted and manipulated and made to mean something it simply does not. When a man gets up and goes to work all day long, comes home at night, doesn't cheat on his wife, brings his paycheck home on Friday, that's love. When, when you spank your children in a godly manner, I'm not talking about, you know, doing something cruel, and I'm not talking about we never disciplined our children in anger. I mean, <laughs> sometimes they made me angry. And I'd, let, I'd wait 30 minutes and then I'd, I'd spank them. But when you discipline a child in a biblical fashion, that's love. You see, the world will report you for this. That's why you can't do this stuff in public. Amen. We couldn't do this in public all those years ago when ours were little. Well, you certainly can't do these things in public now. You know, when a, when a woman takes care of the house, when she sees that the children are fed, that there's food in the refrigerator and the pantry, that's love. And so they have just taken this word, this wonderful word, and they have just mutilated it. They've destroyed it. It's really horrific. Everything they touch, they ruin. You know, sex inside a marriage, the way God meant it to be, is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. But they have debased it. They have corrupted it. They have turned it into an evil, wicked thing. But it never was meant to be evil and wicked.
to love your wife, to love your husband, to love your children. This is godly. I'll tell you something else I hate. They, they want us to believe that you can't love somebody without having sex with them. I hate this. They take that relationship of Jonathan and David in the Old Testament and they try and turn it into some pervert deal. There are men here this morning and I love them, but <laughs> I've never done anything but shake hands with them. And we can ha I can have a relationship with a sister in the Lord and love that sister in the Lord and it all be a very godly relationship. Are you hearing me? So they have, twist, they have taken this one word. We've got preachers and they won't bring any discipline in their realm of influence, their sphere of influence, because they think they're walking in love. 1993, Winter Bible Seminar. Kenneth Hagin taught the whole week on days of heaven upon the earth. If you go to message nine minutes 49 to 52, Kenneth Hagin deals with this. I'm talking about the one who went to be with the Lord in 2003. You can't just be all squishy if somebody's teaching and peddling error. You have to correct it. If a man cheats on his wife, he can bring harm to his wife. He can bring harm to his family. He might bring harm to the other person's family. But if a minister of the gospel stands up and spreads error... He can hurt hundreds, he can hurt thousands. Depending on his sphere of influence, he could hurt hundreds of thousands. So you just can't let it go on. But we live in a day and an age where people equate success with being right and they equate being rich with being right. They equate fame with being right. If you'll go back and reread those four gospels, Jesus never one time made any effort whatsoever to reach out to anybody who was rich or famous or successful. I mean, if you actually read the four Gospels, the, the message was primarily for common people. Now, were there, there were some rich people got in on it. There were some rich people that latched onto it, but that's not, who, that's not where he spent his time. And I don't know about you, but thank God, thank God, thank God, the gospel is for regular, normal, common people because that's what I am. Amen? Amen? But they have taken this concept of love and they have twisted it and made it a hug, an ugly, deformed thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. To love God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to get married and love your wife, love your husband. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, when Austin came along, <laughs> it was a long night, a long story, and a big challenge. But I remember holding him in my arms. Only a mother, only a father can understand that moment when you fall deeply, deeply in love in just a moment's time. It's a beautiful thing. Love is a beautiful thing. But they have taken this one word, this one concept, and, and they have deformed it. They have twisted it. And they've done the same thing with obeying God. They've made obeying God into some burden. They've, they've made obeying God into some ugly thing. We're going to get into this. They say it doesn't matter what we do, but the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who does the will of God. But they say it doesn't matter what you do. They say it doesn't matter what we do, but it, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, 29, everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Now listen, you know, Save your children. Save your grandchildren. You need to wake up. You need to pay attention. When these youngsters turn into teenagers, when they start building relationships as teenagers and young men and young women, you need to wake up. Just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean a doggone thing. 
And just because they say to, they go to church does not mean a doggone thing. I would imagine we could go down to Huntsville and do a survey. How, how many of y'all are Christians? And we, you know, probably the, mo, the, the majority of them are Christians. You know, but what, what good did that do them? You have got to be a doer of the word of God. And what good is your faith if it has not impacted your conduct? Amen. You know, Billy Sunday was a famous baseball player. And uh, then he began preaching the gospel. And I think he's really an underrated person of fame in the history of Christianity. But he would go to these Salvation Army meetings and he would get people delivered from cigarettes and alcohol and drug abuse. And I love the way he taught prosperity. If you'll just stop smoking cigarettes, if you'll just stop drinking, if you'll just stop doing drugs, of course you're going to be richer because you're not wasting your money. But he would get people set free. But these preachers today in 2022 want everybody to believe that it's okay to do whatever you want to do. Now listen, we don't teach the Word of God because we're prudes. But we've lived long enough now that we, teach the, we taught the Word of God when we were young because that was our job to teach the Word of God. But now that we're older, we see it clearly that when you veer off the word of God, you bring destruction to your life. And we don't want to see anybody destroyed. We don't want to see anybody messed up. I mean, I'm standing over there during worship and the Lord reminded me of a verse. He who does not provide for his own family has denied the faith and has become like unto an infidel. I, don't, I couldn't count. Soon I couldn't count the young men we have seen over the years, and they just would not make a living. And they sent the little woman out to work. You know, a man actually told me once, all any man needs is a woman with a good job. And we've seen it over and over and over, and then some more Andovers. And then there comes a point where the woman just can't take it. I mean, you know, because... He's just sitting there all day eating. He's consuming. He's not contributing. And a woman gets tired of that. So then he loses this beautiful relationship of marriage. He loses being there with a wife who loves him. He loses being there with children who love him. He, he loses everything that there is of any value whatsoever. Because he wasn't a doer of the word of God. If a man does not provide for his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, there's nothing wrong with a woman working, but look, you know, there is something wrong with a woman working and the man not working. Amen. Well, I'm lonely. Well, get a dog. Amen. The dog only eats so much and the dog, the dog won't drain your checking account and rack up debt on your credit cards. Amen. Not unless you give them your passwords. <laughs> Amen. I'm just saying. We teach and preach the way we do because we do not like to see lives ruined. And when you veer off course from the word of God, you're not headed to a blessed place. You're headed to a cursed place. They say it doesn't matter what we do, but the apostle John wrote in 1 John 3, 12, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. This right here explains why when you live for God, you're hated by the world. Tell your neighbor, when you live for God, you're hated by the world. Tell the neighbor on the other side, when you live for God, you're hated by the world. Because Cain hated Abel. I mean, it's really sad when you think about it, Abel was his little brother. He murdered his little brother over envy, over jealousy, over money. They say it doesn't matter what we do, but the apostle John wrote in 1 John 3, 21 to 24, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. So now we find out that answered prayer is based upon partly 
based upon what we do. Of course, answered prayer is based upon faith, but also we see here in 1 John 3, 21, 24, that answered prayer is part, basically part on, partly based on what we do. Verse 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. So love for God is manifested. Love for God is exhibited by obeying God. But then I also have been commanded to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus taught it this way, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Those who obey his commands, verse 24, live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Now, last Sunday, we were in 1 John 5. Let's go there. Everyone who believes that, uh, he's stopping me again. We are increasingly alarmed. Sue and I are increasingly alarmed. Listen. Satan has never been privy to God's calendar. Satan today is not privy to God's calendar. So all through history, Satan has had antichrists lined up. And we could talk about, you know, uh, Pol Pot, uh, Chairman Mao, uh, Joe Stalin, Adolf Hitler. I mean, there have been a plethora of antichrists in history. But one difference is that never before in the history of humanity have they reached the ability to do what this same author, John, in that cave in Patmos, 95, 96, 97 AD, saw in a vision. They have never before had the ability to keep you from buying and selling. You know, a few years ago, the church, the, the bank the church uses sent me a letter that I needed to re-verify my stuff, and I thought it was phishing. So I, you know, I shredded that and ignored it. And two weeks later, I mean, kaplat. I mean, just somebody flipped the switch on me. And I had to jump through a bunch of hoops to, to get everything turned back on. PayPal now has a policy that if you put anything on social media they disagree with, they're going to pull $2,500 out of your account. In many countries of the world, but primarily the big one is China, you have to, show a, you have, to have a, a green insignia on your smartphone to board a train, to board a, a bus, to go to work, to get on a jet, to go anywhere, to do anything. To, to go to the grocery store, to buy groceries. Never before in the history of humanity have they had the technological ability to keep you from buying and selling. So listen, I mean, if there was ever a time in history, people should be totally, absolutely awake and then how about all these prisoners being loosed? How about all these George Soros district attorneys? How about, how about no bail and all of this nonsense? Is it any coincidence that the Antichrist is called in the New Testament the man of lawlessness? Three different publications pointed out two weeks ago that if, if this trend does not reverse one out of every 179 Americans will be murdered in his lifetime. We're, li we're living in, a, in an age of lawlessness. And so, you know, for, for me, as for me and my house, you know, we feel like we're living on the knife's edge that, that this is it. Maybe not today, maybe not in 2022, but he is coming. He is coming, he is coming, he is coming. And the Antichrist will sh shortly be revealed. And just this week, it's obvious to everybody, isn't it, that these world leaders, Trudeau, the new guy in the United Kingdom, uh, the dotard in chief, 
they actually work for other people. They're not in charge. And yet, it seems like God's people are asleep in the light. It's almost like the fire alarm went off and everybody's taking a nap. Listen, all the signs are there. The reason, the reason we're not alarmed about it is, I think, a slow boil. It's all been a slow boil. My God, my God. You know, I remember as a boy, you know, watching the news and thinking, you know, uh, how they were crazy, you know, in California, you know, young women burning their bras and protest and, you know, feminism and all of this. If somebody had stood and said back then that all of this would lead to boys competing in girls' sports and girls, get, I mean, I'm talking about adolescent girls getting hysterectomies and double mastectomies, they would have been called crazy. But that's where we are. And, and everybody thinks it's normal. And nobody stops to think that when you do this to a boy, when you do this to a girl, you, you have neutered them. It's all part of population control. Hitler, in his wildest dreams, never even thought about this. And he certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have done it to his own people. But we just go along like, okay, Sarah, Sarah, like, you know, everything is, you know, bumping along like it always has been. No, no, no. No, we are coming to the end and then we got these heretics out here saying it doesn't matter what you do. And, and they're actually contributing to the demise of God's people. It absolutely matters what you do. It's really sad. You know, I brought this up in a service a few years ago and a guy got so mad and left. Uh, I'm just trying to help people. Tell your neighbor, he's just trying to help us. There's an article today in the New York Post about some young man that, you know, did all of these tattooings and piercings, and now, you know, his, he's having trouble getting a job. Nobody seems dialed into reality that if I'm going to make a living, I got to get out of bed. If I want to find a, a wife, well, maybe I need a haircut. How about a bath? And if, if a gal wants a husband, well, how about uh, not looking like Oprah? <laughs> and, uh, you know, how, how about spending some, I'm talking about a young gal now. You know, we understand as you get older, you get bigger, but you shouldn't be, we shouldn't be trying to set records by the age of 18. My God, my God, my God. The dream. The dream. For Adam and Eve. Was that they love each other. And that they love God. And they obey one lousy stinking commandment. And they would be in that garden today. Satan talked him out of it. And when a minister, when a minister tells you it doesn't matter what you do, that is Satan talking to you. You listen to me now. When a minister, when you go to a church or you watch a guy online and he tells you that one sin is the same as another, when he tells you we all sin, doesn't matter what we do, when, when he tells you it doesn't matter how we live, that is Satan talking to you. Yeah, but those are religious people. Well, guess what? The people who had Jesus crucified were religious people. Being a religious person doesn't give anybody any authority at all. The only thing that has authority on this planet is this book right here. 
1 John 5, 1 to 12, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And so, you know, I was so horrified after September 11 to hear George W. Bush preaching syncretism. Syncretism, what is syncretism? It's been in the seminaries for decades that it doesn't matter how you search or seek for God so long as you're seeking or searching for God. This is nonsense because Jesus himself, the Son of God, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It does absolutely matter how you search for God or seek for God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the, child of God, the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is, that, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. There, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. What's he talking about? He's emphasizing the fact that Jesus was born of the virgin, and even though he was God, the same author, John 1, 1, in the beginning was God. I've got different translations running through my mind. This same author in John 1, 1 wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And so he's emphasizing how that Jesus was the Word forever in the past, one of the three, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit of God, but something changed when the Holy Spirit of God planted the word as a seed. We know from the teachings of Jesus that the word is the seed. But literally the Holy Spirit of God planted the word as a seed in the womb of the virgin. So what John's talking about is anybody who denies that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is a liar. And the truth is not in them. And so all down through the early years, the ages of early church history, especially this was debated over and over and over and over and over. What was, was Jesus always God and was he really man? Because they seem like irreconcilable concepts. He has always been God. He always was God, but he was not always a man. He became a man. The prophet David wrote, Today thou art become my son. Today I have begotten thee. So even though the word never had a beginning, and even though the word was equal with God all through eternity past, he was not always the son of Mary. Can you understand that? He, be, he was planted in the womb of the virgin and became like us. Hence all of this talk about blood and spirit. We accept, verse 9, man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given us about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe that God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. You know, and there's... It's just fruitless to try and go on social media and talk to people who are not born again about spiritual things. And they mock us and they talk about our little make-believe friend and all of that. They'll never get it until they're born again. But how are they going to be born again if these churches aren't preaching the Bible? I mean, even if somebody got them to go to church this weekend on a Thanksgiving weekend, even if somebody got them to go to church next month, for a Christmas uh, program, even if somebody got them to go to church on an Easter Sunday morning. How are they going to be born again if, if ministers have taken the Bible out of their sermons? 
Because Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Verse 11, And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and who does not ha- he who does not have the Son does not have life. Look, there's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he is so kind, and he is so gracious, and he is so loving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. He's so kind, he's so gracious, he's so loving. We find out that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. World. That word in the Greek is cosmos. Doesn't mean the world, the dirt, the earth, the stone, the rocks, the mountains. It's cosmos. He was slain from the foundations of the human order. It's mind-boggling. It's humbling. God spoke everything into existence until he got to Adam. Think of it. He spoke everything into existence until he got to Adam. When he got to Adam, he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. I, I don't know how you do that without getting down on your hands and knees. Think of it. And he spoke life into everything that was, every living creature, giraffes and lions and bears and everything. He spoke them into existence. But when it came to Adam, he breathed the breath of life into that man. Now, how do you do that without getting down on, your, on all fours? Think of what God did. But for, when God did that, when God made that man out of the dust of the earth. And when God breathed into that man, that clump of dirt, the breath of God, at that moment, he knew. That that man would fail him. That man would sin. That the devil would be given authority over the earth. And that he himself, God himself, would have to pay the penalty for man's sin. He knew it at that moment because the Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the cosmos, the world order. You or me, if we had known that, we would have said, hard pass. We've lived for millions of years without man. We (laughs) We can live for millions of years without him still. But that's, that's the love he had. And then you get down the road 4,000 years later and his son, the word which had been with him all through eternity past, begotten of the Virgin Mary and never did an unkind thing to anybody in his entire life. He went about doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. Never did one unkind thing in his life. And he was put to death by religious folks. Now they used the Romans, but it was the religious folks. And yet you've got ministers, Christian ministers in pulpits today, and they would have you believe that you're going to make heaven and not accept what God did through Jesus ain't no way there's only one way Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life I mean think about it think about it think about it of course everyone who rejects Jesus is rejected by God automatically because God made a way and if you reject the way you really brought damnation upon yourself you can't blame anybody for it the problem is they don't know I mean, some of them would get saved if they heard the word. But how are they going to hear the word when these ministers have taken the Bible out of their sermons all across the land? And the problem also is whatever we do in the United States of America gets imitated all over the world. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And that's why you can't even talk to him. You can't even deal with him. 
And listen, don't be, don't be fooled. I'm talking about saving your children to saving your grandchildren. Don't be fooled. You know, we've seen wonderful young people, wonderful young people, and they connect to somebody that supposedly is a Christian. They connect to somebody who supposedly goes to church, and they're not hardly married weeks, and they're off course. And marriage is powerful, and sex is powerful. And these are covenants. We don't want to say to anybody, we have never said to anybody, well, you really screwed up there. Maybe you ought to cut bait. We've never done that because these are covenants. That's why our counsel is, you, you know, take your time and make sure you know what you're doing. It would never have occurred to us to let Austin or Christina connect to anybody who peddled the idea that it doesn't matter how you live. It would never have occurred to us to allow Austin or Christina to hang out with anybody who had the idea uh, that whether you obeyed God or not didn't matter. Or that the Bible was just another book. If we don't come into agreement on the Bible being the authoritative word of God in the earth today, then at what point can we agree upon to do anything? How, how are we going to agree how to raise children? How are we going to agree how to educate children? How are we going to agree on anything? If we cannot agree that the Bible is the authoritative written word of God in the earth today. And you know, love and sex and marriage, these are powerful concepts. And you let somebody connect to the wrong thing and that's it, man, they're, they're gone. Christina dated this guy at, when she was working on her master's degree at Evangel and he was working on a master divinity degree at the Assemblies of God Seminary up there in Springfield. And, you know, I was busy. I was building this. You know, I was trying to survive the meltdown. I was busy. But anyway, I was a little bit alarmed because of how squishy these emails were. You know, my daughter, my daughter's not really given to that. But you know, these emails were, you know, real squishy. What do you mean by that? Well, more emotion than brains. And uh, God solved that for us because he was mean to her. And, you know, you're not going to be mean to my daughter, but one time, that's it. And, uh, but I saw it. I saw it there that he was religious. He was getting a master's degree in a seminary. But he was not a loving person. And then later, as she analyzed this and then met up with the whole clan at a Starbucks she saw clearly that the mother was a loving person, but she had married a man who was not a loving person. He was a, a control freak and mean. And then he had taught his son to be that. And, you know, hardwired like those people are hardwired, you know, she brought him down to meet us. He saw my garage. And that was it. You need to prosper so you can just have enough stuff to piss the devil off. And that is a biblical word, by the way, in the King James Bible. I'm telling you, you got to find a way to run, run the devil out. Amen. People want to be offended by your commitment to God. People want, how many of you have relatives who think you're nuts for coming to church all the time? Let me see your hand. You have relatives, look around the room. Lift up your hands. You got relatives, they think you're crazy for coming to church all the time. Well, you can't go by that. 
How many of you have relatives think you're crazy for, for giving tithes and offerings? Let me see your hand. Lift your, look around the room. Look at this. Look at this. So, okay, let me ask the same crowd. Are you, have you, are you more blessed or less blessed since you started giving God tithes and offerings? If you're more blessed, raise your hand. Look around the room. They don't see anything. They don't know anything. They can't understand anything until they're born again. But what my word of caution and warning to you is even if they're not born again, they'll fake it till they think they make it. And you don't want to go in business with these people. You don't want to hire these people at work. I would rather hire a sinner than a make-believe Christian. Because at least I know where the sinner's coming from. The make-believe Christian, I don't know what he or she is about. And if your young people are going to college, if your children or grandchildren are going to college, you've got to life coach them. You've got to help them navigate these waters. It is not like it was. There's a young man, I don't know, I think he'll be in the next service, but, uh, you know, he asked me, he said, Pastor, how, how do I navigate these waters? How do, I, how do I do a checkup on these chicks? And I said, well, find out where they stand on abortion. He said, yeah, but he said, they'll lie about that. He said, I've already tried that. So he came, to, he came up with an innovative solution. Whenever he would go on a date, he'd give them George Orwell quotes and see if they reacted to George Orwell quotes. I thought it was pretty innovative. I th if actually, I thought it was shrewd. In other words, or you could do that with G.K. Chesterton or you know, any, any, uh, any author that had their head screwed on straight. But the point is, you have got to life coach your children to help them navigate these waters to where they are not fooled. How many of you understand what Satan's gift is? What is Satan's gift? His gift is what? One word starts with a D. Deception. Deception. And that's what they do. They want to deceive. And there's something about Satan's people and they want to go after the innocent. They want to go after the innocent. And you need to protect your children. If you take them to the doctor, don't ever leave a child alone any ever again with a medical professional and uh, you be there and you watch everything and you listen to everything. You cannot trust these people. If you find one you can trust, great, then still don't trust them. Amen. Somebody we know and love took their little girl to a pediatrician. Girl's whatever, three years old, and the pediatrician asked her if she was a boy or a girl. I told her, you need to get another pediatrician. The little girl told the pediatrician she was a frog. <laughs> Thank God, you know, he didn't try and give her surgeries to turn her into a frog. I'm just saying, we, we I, I thought I've done a pretty good job today being polite about it, but we are in a wicked, wicked, wicked generation. And let me tell you something, you may be playing with God, but they're not playing. You may be playing with your belief system, but these people are not playing. When that Steve Scalise was shot on that baseball field, there was no media outcry. When Rand Paul was attacked in his own yard and his ribs busted up and put in intensive care, there was no outcry. They do not care. When a taxpayer gets murdered and robbed, nobody cares. This is the world we live in. It's full of hate. I said it's full of hate. And who would have thought, who would have thought, who would have thought back when Sue and I were in high school that they would take killing babies and turn it into a religion? I mean, these people are wicked and evil. And you know, back in the 70s, they peddled this lie that sex education would solve this. 
Sex education has done nothing but teach young people perverted things to do. Now, in most of these school districts across America, they have got pervert books in libraries and public schools all the way down through the elementary years and all the way down now into kindergarten. It's, it's horrific. And God's people, you know, they just, uh, they just keep chucking along like everything is the same. A famous minister said, well, public school was good enough for me. It was good enough for my kids. And so one of them ended up in prison. We have to have the ability, the wisdom, the insight to understand the times in which we live. This is not the 50s. Ozzie and Harriet don't live next door. You know, you can't leave it to Beaver. All that's gone. I said all that's gone. It's like we're living in, in, in a land filled with orcs. It's like the walking dead out here. And you have got to prosper. And you've got to protect yourself. And you've got to protect your children. And you just can't let your children hang out with whoever and connect with whoever and imitate whoever. Amen. Not if you want to see them on the other side. Not if you want to see them on the other side. This is love for God to obey his commands. Say it out loud. This is love for God love to God. obey his commands. Obey his and his commands are not burdensome. Say it out loud. And his commands are not burdensome. Not burdensome. Pastor Gene, why are his commands not burdensome? Well, because everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And I say without any apology whatsoever, what a joy, what a privilege, what an honor to know him. What a joy, what a privilege, what an honor to serve him. What a joy, what a privilege, what an honor to obey him. Hallelujah. My Father God, it has been my joy to serve you all of these decades. It has been my joy to obey you all of these decades. I know I've failed you a million times, and I beg your forgiveness for any complaint that has ever come out of my mouth because it has all been wonderful, and your word has proven true at every stage and point in my life. I praise you, Father God, because you are full of love and you are full of grace and you are full of mercy and you have given mankind an opportunity to be forgiven. You've made a way where there was no way and Jesus is his name. He is the way to the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by Jesus. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, let us get the complaint out of our mouth. Let us lift up our heads. Let us lift up our eyes. Let us lift up our hands. Let us lift up our countenance and let us say to one another, we are the called of God. We are the chosen of God. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And Jesus Christ has made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. And he has empowered us for this very hour. He has empowered us to live in the last days. He has empowered us to overcome and to prevail. He has empowered us to overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And this is what we shall do. Hallelujah. From this day to our last day. Hallelujah. And we are not going to be afraid and we are not going to be sick and we are not going to be defeated and hang on to the rapture and say, thank God he got us out of there because I was in a world of hurt and I was sick and I was in a world of trouble. No, 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 a thousand times. No, thank God he has empowered us. Thank God he has given us his word. Thank God he has given us his spirit. Thank God he has given us the blood of the lamb. Thank God we know what to do. And thank God we are going to live free. Thank God we are going to prosper. Thank God we are going to live healed and whole. Thank God we are going to put the devil on the run from this day to our last day. Hallelujah. 
And when we hear the trumpet blow, there's going to be a little twinge of regret because they, uh, the days of kicking the devil's backside will have come to an end and we'll have to cross over and we will no longer be in the battle, but we will be in the day of rest. Hallelujah. 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 I say the Lord our God has called us to victory by his word. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never personally and individually made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. The word of God says, Jesus said in John 3, You must be born again. He said in Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and fellowship with him and he with me. I'm not talking about being a member of a church or being religious. I'm talking about believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. How many this morning have not done that, but you'd like to? You'd like to be saved? You'd like to be Forgiven of your sins, you want to be born again. You want to live for God. If that's you this morning and you want to be included in this prayer, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. You may be here this morning and you're away from God. There was a time in your life you told God that you loved him. You responded to the gospel and you told God that you would live for him and you meant it when you prayed it. But I'm telling you what, this old dark world has got some allurements and it has pulled you back. And you're not, you're not living for the Lord like you once did. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me, I'm away from God. Pray for me, Pastor. I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. I know, I see it, I see it. The days are short and I want to live for God every day from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers and it will not return to you empty or void, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. And for this, we give you our praise. For the sake of people watching online, everybody in the room, let's pray the prayer anyway. Father God, time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But today I turn and I repent and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Put inside of me a new heart that loves you loves your word, and loves your house. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer as your prayer of commitment decision, you can reach out to us at FCC. FCC Arlington. I cut the notes out of my iPad notes this morning by mistake. FCC Arlington forward slash salvation. We'd love to send you a copy of our book, God's Very Own Child. Amen. You know, we have more people watching online now than we did when we were on broadcast television nationwide. It's amazing to me. But uh, we owe them to show them the way when we can. Amen.